Welcome to Advantage Over, the podcast for the rugby referee community, or simply those in rugby who want to know more about refereeing. Are you ready? Time on. Hello and welcome to the Advantage Over podcast. I'm Keith Lewis, your host um, of this, a special edition of our podcast where we are celebrating International Women's Day 2019. We all know from being involved in rugby over time that um, our game is one of the most inclusive and welcoming of sports um, and refereeing has gone alongside of that. We're seeing more and more um, elite female referees coming up through the circuit, being involved in all levels of the game. No longer is it a, a sport where women um, are only allowed to referee women's games. That's way gone and we've, we've seen people breaking those glass barriers in refereeing um, for many, many years now. And it's fantastic that we can we all be part of a game um, where um, our doors are open to, to everyone to get involved. So how do we do that and, and celebrate that? So what we wanted to do is to um, bring to you um, a voice of the female referee to demonstrate just how inclusive our game is. Um, so I've got a really um, uh, inspiring interview coming up with uh, Mui Thomas, who's a female referee in Hong Kong. And I'm not going to say too much about that ahead of it, because I think she tells a great story, and the conversation I had with her was completely inspiring to me, um, and hopefully to you. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, do celebrate um, all the women in your lives, that's work, business, rugby, um, home and family, um, and celebrate the fact that rugby can play such a great part in that. So happy International Women's Day to you all. So let's go and have a listen to our conversation with Mui. So today on the Advantage Over podcast, it is Friday the 8th of March, which is International Women's Day, a day of celebrating and supporting uh, females across the globe and discussing the issues that sadly still exist for women just because of how they were born. Well, I was thinking about how we could do that from a refereeing perspective, and there were some obvious answers and some less obvious answers. Um, we've already had some, some great females on the podcast already. We started with Lois Labrèche back in episode 2 from Canada, Claire Daniels in England from episode 5, Joya Clark from the US in episode 10. So where do we go next? Geographically, I figured I needed to look to the east, um, and the name Mui Thomas sprang back to my list. Um, 26 years old now, born in Hong Kong, of Welsh and German um, parentage. Many of you might have heard or seen of, of Mui. She certainly came to my attention through social media, um, as I was looking for and following, frankly, anyone who was mentioned they were a rugby referee. Um, her social posts talked about build up to back in 2015 World Cup. I saw pictures of Brian O'Driscoll at Hong Kong Sevens, I think. Um, but not only is she a female referee in Hong Kong, but she also has the added, and I'm using the word complication, um, of having um, a rare skin disorder to go with it, Harlequin ichthyosis. So, Mui, you're very welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. And that's, that's quite some intro, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, I'm glad you got it all correct. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like to do do my research. So I, I'm no medical expert, and I'm, I guess many of our listeners won't be as well. Can you just kind of explain harlequin ichthyosis first, and then we'll get on to the refereeing stuff next? Yeah, no problem. Um, so harlequin ichthyosis is a very, very, very rare genetic skin disorder. Um, basically, it's a genetic mutation and about <clears throat> only less than 100 people in the world live with it. Um, I'm actually one of the oldest in the world. Um, the oldest at the moment is 35 years of age. Um, and it's 
and the reason that more and more people are surviving now is because of medical advances. Um, basically, um, to cut a long story short, our skin grows about 10 times as fast as the average human beings. So what I get overnight, like my skin grows overnight 10 times as fast as you guys. So what you would get in two weeks, I would get overnight. Yep. And my skin constantly sheds um, and it affects my health, um, my ability to, you know, sometimes go bad in daily life. Um, but I try not to let it affect me too much. Mm. And that's a great approach to take, and we see uh, all the stuff that I've seen about you has that sort of positivity coming all the way through, which is fantastic. Um, tell us yeah. how um, refereeing has how how you how did you get into refereeing, and, and how's that journey helped you? Um, well, I was about I think I was about sixteen, seventeen years of age, and I went to a school um, which has a very big, <clears throat> a very very big r- rugby influence, uh-huh. and because my dad is Welsh, um, I wanted to. I wanted to try rugby. I wanted, and because I saw it as a way to fit in with friends. Um, and my parents were not. I mean, they've always encouraged me to give things a go. They've always encouraged me to, you know, not let anything hold me back. But this time, they kind. They said to me, "Nobody's going to want to tackle you because at the time, I ha- my bones were not great, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, we had to." sort of compromise because as I said I wanted to play I didn't want to be on the sidelines anymore so my parents said okay look go down to the local rugby club um, and see if you can help out and I did after I complained a lot (laughs) as I often do (laughs) as all good teenagers do yes Um, so I did that and yeah I I spoke to the to the club I slowly you know was involved helping out just being the water girl and all that, helping out with girls rugby, um, which is I think a big part of you know women's women and you know women's day, um, and gradually I started just helping out with the Hong Kong Rugby Union, who I'm so grateful for, and um, eventually after two seasons, I genuinely I just got bored, <laughs> I just got bored doing um, just you know recording and you know bringing water bottles. I wanted a challenge. Mm-hmm. And somebody first said, oh, why don't you try coaching? And I wasn't really keen on coaching because I didn't really know the laws of rugby mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Um, but that sounds like you make said, perfect refereeing decision. I know. <laughs> so we then we then thought about it and somebody said, oh, why don't you try refereeing? Okay, we can give that a go. So we did that. Um, so I did the course. I did, um, you know, I did the um, on-field testing. Um, I got my whistle, mm-hmm. which was very exciting. Um, and that was about six, seven years ago now. And something that I've discovered from rugby and refereeing is the sense of community. It's the sense that no matter what your ability, no matter what you can do, you're a part of it no matter what. You don't, mm. As I learned, you don't have to be only on field to be a part of rugby mm. or the community. Absolutely. And I think any, anyone listening to that feels like um, when you're a referee, perhaps you're out there on your own, but you're absolutely yeah. never on your own as a, as a rugby referee. Yeah. There's always there's always the rest of us out there to support you, or the society, or the federation, yeah. or, the, or just the rug, the game of rugby um, around you. So I think I think what a lot of people probably think is that when you're a referee, you're on you're on your own. Mm-hmm. 
it, you know, it's a one man game or women's one women's game <laughs> or something. But it's um, but you have a big community around you, and I think I've really benefited from that, the community, because it's allowed me to fit in. Because you know, when you have a such a skin disorder where you stand out where if not you know stuck in with you know the crowds something like rugby it just it just helped me you know just helped me re- rebuild my confidence you know to just be a part of a family and i like that awesome and and, and i think everyone listening <laughs> will be welcome of that as well so what sort of games are you, are you involved in are you do you stick to youth rugby are you doing adult rugby i've i've seen um pictures of you training with everyone out and out and about doing all the things that we all do as as referees what are you involved in <laughs> Um, so what I actually do is for a couple of reasons, and I'll tell you that in a minute. Um, I do, I do a lot of, um, under 12 rugby, um, like the physical, the more physical side, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I do under 12 rugby. Um, and then what I do within the referee society, um, I do, I do a lot of their off field duties. Mm-hmm. So, um, I sometimes film games for the referees, you know, um, on weekends. Um, I help out at, you know, tournaments, like the big tournaments. <laughs> um, I, but I also, um, I also push myself. Hence, why you probably see my Instagram and you think, okay, she's obviously a big referee because she trains a lot. <laughs> but I do it because the training helps me get fitter and stronger because I didn't get to. You know, I didn't get to be a referee without running. You mm-hmm. know, without training, because um, with Harlequin Ichthyosis, we're not we, we're not exactly expected to run laps <laughs> across the rugby pitch. Let's just say. Um, and so far, hopefully, I've been breaking barriers. You know, so to speak. Okay. And um, yeah, so I just, as much as I try, um, I try to be a part of the adult rugby scene as well. Um, you were telling me a minute ago that you were you were spent yesterday um, recording one of your your fellow referees. Yes, I was. So I do that maybe um, every week. Like I'll do one or two games, and then so I'll record them on a Saturday, and then I'll upload on a Monday. Because as I mentioned before, network is terrible where I live, <laughs> so I usually go to a place with better Wi-Fi. Super, but certainly uh, finding finding a role. Um, still in refereeing and supporting others as well as refereeing yourself. I think I think something, let me just say that something that I realized as well is that, and this took years because I'm very stubborn. <laughs> um, <clears throat> for a long time, I thought that in order to be a referee, the only thing you could do was be on the pitch. At, the, at, at one point, I didn't see much value. I didn't feel, you know, I didn't, personally see much value in being on the sidelines Mm -hmm. or doing you know the tech zone or you know indeed the filming because I I felt like it wasn't a referee thing to do because in my mind being a referee means you run around Mm -hmm. and you and you get yelled at (laughs) and you get criticized that but actually over, over the years I've um I've realized that whatever you do in rugby Whatever you do as a referee within your society, you're you're still part of the group, and I think that inclusion has meant a lot to me. And obviously, it's, it's International Women's Day today, and and even as a female in the game, um, you don't there are no barriers to be broken there from from your perspective. Never mind the other things that we have to contend with as well. Yeah, 
I mean, I think as a woman and as a female referee, I'm definitely up against a lot. Because, um, you know, even the funniest thing is even in mini rugby, I kid you not, I'm one of only two referees who are females in a male dominated sport. Mm-hmm. And that's quite, um, it's quite hard, to be honest, because, you know, sometimes you struggle to get yourself taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that's um, changing over time? I think, yeah, I think it's definitely changing over time. It's taking a while, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you've seen things like the Women's Rugby World Cup, you know, we've got the Women's Sevens coming up in Hong Kong. Um, So I think there's definitely a big, there's a change, but I think, you know, as a woman, we're still pushing in a male-dominated environment. Just just thinking about um, just the game of rugby in Hong Kong itself is is there more and more women getting involved in in the game over there we hear from other countries oh, that that's definitely. growing there's investment going in and trying to encourage yeah. refereeing coming through women into refereeing and into rugby itself is that happening over there as well um yeah so th- there is actually a massive um there's a really big women's rugby um environment in Hong Kong and you know year after year you know there are always female referees coming in through the ranks i mean because I think we are just as, you know, I'd like to think we are just as good as they are. Absolutely are. <laughs> Certainly, yeah, we, we see a, a lot of that. And I was on a, a Facebook conversation the other day about um, people of colour coming through into the American game, but we're trying to having a conversation about pipeline. And if you get more, yeah. if you get more people playing the game coming through, then when people become ex players, they stay in the game as referees. That's the, the traditional yeah, route to had, refereeing. Yeah, we've had you... quite a few. Sorry, we've had quite a few. Um, ex-players come through the ranks as well so I think that's also really nice that you know once they you know once they finish playing because of injury or because of age um they turn to refing and I think it's such a it's such a good thing to have that continuity great stuff um so what so what ambitions do you have obviously do you you think you're restricted by the HI or are you restricted by being a 26-year-old non, non-rugby playing um, turn, turn <laughs> refereeing. What, what, what do you think? Um, I think realistically, um, unfortunately, realistically, I'm not going to be <clears throat> much higher than youth rugby mm-hmm. um, because with HI, I lack the ability to maintain my um, body temperature, um, my energy levels, mm-hmm. um, and general overwhelm you know, wellness, because I I get tired a lot more easily than other people, which is why also under 12 rugby works for me, because you're playing in, what, 15-minute mm-hmm. blocks, you yeah. have a break or so, you go on again. Whereas I know myself that running for a full 80 minutes in a regular game, I would struggle with that. I could probably do one half, but then you can't really go off in the second half, you know. Sure, and having, having that recognition <laughs> that... Um, you can't do things, but it hasn't stopped you from it's, doing things. So there's certain, certain, certain things are it's, outside it's, of it's my control struggle. as a referee. I, I control yeah. the controllable. So. I mean, for me, I, I must admit that I, I've, I've struggled and I continue to struggle with the fact that I will not, you know, up against, you know, I will not be doing the World Cup, mm-hmm. you know, because let's be honest, my health is stacked up against me. <laughs> and, you know, as much as I want to be at the top of my game in terms of you know the at the highest level of hong kong it's not all about me you know it's all about it's also about the players you know and for the union as well because i think that it's whatever 
like you can't have a referee who just walks off after one half and because they're tired because guess what everyone's tired at some stage you know but I'm I'm hopefully but I'm hopefully going to try and work on my fitness more and hopefully you know hopefully one day I'll get some better games but I've had to be very realistic Sure, I think I think everyone has to be realistic, and and for for anyone out there, um, either just starting refereeing or getting into refereeing or thinking they might get into refereeing, knowing your own barrier and knowing your own expectation and managing your own expectations is half the battle. Um, as a as a forty year old male now, if I was just coming into refereeing, there is no way I was I'm ever going to get into the top level of the sport. Um, so you kind of have to set your own expectations, no matter who you are and how you how and why you fall into our great game. But I think somebody, what somebody, what a fellow referee once said to me, because I was moaning, of course I moan. <laughs> I was moaning about the fact that I wasn't able to referee the games that I wanted because, hey, my fitness wasn't great. But then he reminded me, and I think this is, a, and, and it has stuck to this day, he said, you may not have been on field for, you know, you may not have been on field for, you know, the top events, but the fact that you've worked alongside um, the tech zones, as because you've worked alongside actually a lot of really big people, you've actually, you're more than an international referee already because you have already reached the levels that people in, say, Australia or the UK, you know, haven't reached yet. And yet you've reached that because I'm, I'm guessing with you guys... Um, you have to go through the counties and then oh, you've got to go through the cities and the towns before you get anywhere near national level. Mm-hmm. Am I right? For sure, yeah. Everyone's everyone's got a different um, cascade. No matter where again, people are listening, there's a different route to the top. Yeah. And in a way, I'm somewhat already at the top, mm-hmm. you know. So it was a really interesting way to put it. But, yeah, I mean, I am... But then I'm still quite humble about what I'm doing now. <laughs> So obviously it's International Women's Day. Um, you're a female referee. Um, are there other other referees out there that you look up to, whether they're female referees, other other referees? Who, who's your inspiration on the on the field? Um, I think my um, I actually have two. So um, one of them is Amy Parrott from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, basically because I. You know, I met her a couple of times in Hong Kong as, you know, she was refing. And I just thought, you know, you, for what she's done is just amazing. And which kind of made me sort of think, can I be there? You know, can I be where she is? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same for uh, Gabriel Lee, also Hong Kong. Um, And I think Gabriel as well, because she's, um, she's homegrown. Mm -hmm. You know, she's from Hong Kong. I'm from Hong Kong. And, you know, if there can be another Hong Kong referee who's well-known and as good as she is, I'm happy to take that if it was ever possible. So that's two, two great people. And, of course, Amy's back on the um, elite circuit. She's had a, um, a good nine, ten months off um, after the birth of her child. So um, she's um, been at the top, been away for a bit, and is now back in, in the game. So it's great to see her back at um, the elite level um, there as well. And also, uh, sorry, one more, um, who I've also gotten um, quite friendly with is, and I can't pronounce her last name, um, her name is Emily, Emily C. Um, she's a new uh, sevens referee, um, and um, I think it's also really cool as well um, to have the 
I hate to say this, but the Asian, you know, the Asian, the Asian gang, you know, taking up the whistle because I think, um, in Asia, the, for some reason, you know, obviously if you're not a doctor, a lawyer or a vet, then you're not really going to get very far. But, you know, for somebody like Emily and also Gabriel to take up the whistle, I think it just breaks the barriers, you know, it just breaks the barriers of, you know, Asians, you know, excelling in sport. Mm-hmm. And, and Emily's just coming through the US circuit, isn't she, I believe? Yes. Great stuff. No, it's the three really strong uh, female referees out there for different reasons. No, thanks for sharing those with us. Yeah. So what what do you think, the what advice would you give to, to anyone thinking of taking up the whistle? Well, as my parents said, give it a go. <laughs> um, my parents have always encouraged me to, um, you know, look beyond my limitations and, you know, just to give things a go. Because, look, if things don't work out, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. But if anyone wants to take up the whistle, please don't be daunted. Um, it's an amazing community. Um, it's an amazing world out there. And um, the opportunities are endless. Fantastic. I mean, that's a really inspiring message for, for anyone who's thinking about taking up the whistle, um, especially um, coming from someone with, with your background and, and the um, disorder that you have. Tell us about the girl behind the face.com and the book. Okay, so I'm really, really glad you asked me that. Um, so my parents and I, um, basically after um, a few very horrible incidences as I was growing up, um, we decided to launch, it was a, the, the page because mm-hmm. we, my parents had written a book. Um, my, we have not accepted interviews um, from people for a long time as I was growing up because, you know, we had, because when you have a skin condition like Harlequin ichthyosis, People want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my parents were flooded with lots and lots of media requests, but they said no because they wanted me to have a say in what was being said and what what I was being interviewed about. And so, anyway, after all these events, my parents wrote a book called The Girl Behind the Face, and it focuses on raising awarenesses um, of people with visible differences, um, people who are going through cyberbullying, which has happened to me, unfortunately. And also um, just trying to live through life with a smile and being a voice for people who, unfortunately, might not be able to have one. Mm. Um, And the thing is, with The Girl Behind the Face, we are also hoping to uh, get a book out this year, um, which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, it's all about raising awareness. It's all about being positive. Um, if you follow our Instagram page, the girl behind the face, we have really hilarious, um, throwback pictures of me as a kid. Mm -hmm. So if you want cute photos before, you know, I decided not to wear dresses, then you should head over there. (laughs) (laughs) And, and one, I guess last thing I mean obviously you've been trying to get that book out for a while if there's anyone listening who wants to get involved in publishing that or supporting that um, I guess you'd take any uh, any offers of help there oh, yeah, absolutely I think um, all help is appreciated all help is loved and um, yeah but I think yeah I have nothing to say I mean I'm just if we can get it out this year it would be such an amazing thing because we want to reach people you know we want to we want to tell people that even if you're going through a really horrible time, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've gone through stuff at the beginning of my life that I hope that no one will ever have to go through. 
And unfortunately, I still go through stuff um, that no person should ever go through. But obviously, you know, with our with our page, you know, with our Facebook page and with the book, we just we just want to provide a hope, you know. Great job. And you've talked a few times both here and in other things that I've seen and read. How important is, is family and having that network around you? Super important. Um, I think that my family are basically the reason I'm sitting um, on a balcony talking to you um, for this podcast. Um, they have been through that through for me, uh, through thick and thin. And, um, you know... They they adopted an abandoned one and a half year old Ch- um, Chinese baby, and um, which doctors thought would not survive. Um, but as you can see, I'm in front of you. Mm-hmm. And um, no, my parents have been so supportive. They, you know, they've been they've been amazing. I mean, they've hugged me. They've you know scolded me. You know, they've done they've done everything that parents do. And, you know, I can't I can't say enough about them and I could probably go on gushing about them for the rest of the world. Um, But no, I think it's important to have a network, a network of friends and family, because, it's, um, you know, when you're going through really, really tough times, um, I hate to say this and I'm but somebody said to me, you know, you can post all you want about on social media. You're going to get a ton of plaudits. You know, you're going to get a lot of gratification. Um, but where will they be when, I'm sorry, when shit hits the fan? Mm-hmm. You know, when that happens, your family and your real friends are there for you. Hence why it's really, it's really important to me. And I don't, I don't think I credit my family enough. To be honest, I was listening to your TED, uh, TED talk um, that you did in Hong Kong a couple of years ago with your mum yeah. and dad on stage first. So let's give them a name check. Roger and Tina um, speaking really powerfully about what it was like for them before they handed over to you to steal the show. Um, so I'll put the link to that in the show notes. But it's a great podcast, and I think uh, it's, it's a great talk um, and really inspirational itself. And, and just having that community and that, that network around you um, as 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 as, as Mui, but also you as a referee and, and anyone listening out there, the importance of having people around you, whether it's fellow referees, coaches, the commu- the rugby community around you as well, it's just so powerful. And I think I think what's also amazing, if, if I could just add, is that um, I've travelled a couple of times for work, and um, it's just so it, it's been amazing because nine times out of ten, there's always a referee that I know in that country. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, you know, we may we may have met for what, five minutes or so or, you know, we met for dinner. Um, and, you know, it's just, ama- you know, the refereeing community is amazing. Um, and I just love that it's all over the world. I can literally probably say I'm going to the UK. I'm probably I'll, I'll know half the lot, <laughs> you know. Awesome. And so I think the community is amazing. Great stuff. Well, Mui, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sparing your Friday evening um, to, to talk to us on, on International Women's Day. You've got such a powerful story. Um, and there's a line I've, I've stolen from your website that I'm just going to deliver here because it sums up um, you and your story really, really well. Um, just because it's hard doesn't mean it can't be done. Yeah. So, Mui, thank you very much for joining us on the Advantage Over podcast. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, we'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, about this podcast this is the only rugby referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, you can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com um, or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyreferee.net, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want, um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over. <laughs>